0: is
1: Good
2: morning. I'd like to welcome everyone to so worship. See her on a regular basis. We ask that you would grab that pew pad at the end of the aisle, complete the information, and pass that to the neighbors who are seated with you. Hopefully, you've had a chance to take a look through our bulletin. And hopefully, you're planning on staying uh, after worship today for our. Super Bowl luncheon. you're going to hear a little bit more about that in just a second. But also I want to remind everybody that this coming Friday we have Bingo Night here at the church. It's our inaugural uh, bingo. I won't call it a tournament because, you know, there's only going to be, uh, set, well, everybody's going to be a winner because you're going to bring a gift from home that you want to get rid of. Last week, evidently, I mistakenly said something that's important to you, so Jamie said she's going to give away her wedding ring as a prize. <laughs> Uh, that was my mistake, I apologize. So something maybe not as important as your wedding band, uh, but you can bring a gift, uh, a gift to the church to give away as one of the prizes. So it's almost like a white elephant type of thing with bingo. We are going to have other bingo prizes that the church is going to provide as well. And this is an awesome opportunity for you to bring a friend to church. Who doesn't love bingo? So please, please plan on being with us this coming Friday at 630 here at the church. Um, also, Ash Wednesday is coming up very soon, and so we're going to actually have some guests from First Presbyterian Church of Nitro. They're without a pastor, and so I've invited them to be here and worship with us uh, for Ash Wednesday. So we hope that you'll make uh, make them feel welcome when they come here to worship with us. And also this week is David Stern's birthday. So happy birthday to David Stern on the 16th. He accepts all forms of payment, cash, change, check, money order. And now Elliot is going to come forward and give us a minute for mission.
1: Is everyone ready for the big game tonight? As you, as you root for your favorite team to win, let's make the St. Albans Super Bowl of Karen. Let's make the St. Albans Food Pantry the real winner. The Super Bowl of Caring is a fundraiser that challenges us all to support our local food programs. This began in 1990 with this simple prayer. Lord, even as we enjoy the Super Bowl football game, help us be mindful of those who are without a bowl of soup to eat. If every person watching the big game donated one dollar or one can of food, that would be over 330 million meals from just one event. I've been to Christ's Kitchen and seen the people who come there to eat. It's really sad to see people with no food. Let's put ourselves in their place and give what we can. Dear Lord, thank you for this day, and please help that everyone who comes to Christ's Kitchen today will have a nice bowl of soup, and that we can give as much as possible that we can throughout the whole day, and that many people will come to know you today just from seeing and Like just hearing about this message. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
2: Again, even if you've not made plans to stay with us after church, we would invite you to do so. It's a great way for us to fellowship, but it's also a great way for us to provide for our local food bank. So uh, we hope you do that. Let's now prepare our hearts to worship the living God.
3: Join me in the call to worship from Psalm 119, verses 1 through 8. Happy are those whose way is blameless, who walk in the law of the Lord. Happy are those who keep his decrees, who seek him with their whole heart, who also do no wrong, but walk in his ways. You have commanded your precepts to be kept diligently, all that my ways may be steadfast in keeping your statutes and I shall not be put to shame, having my eyes fixed on all your commandments. I will praise you with an upright heart when I learn your righteous ordinances. I will observe your statutes. Do not utterly forsake me. Come, let us worship the triune God. Please join me in our opening hymn, 475, Come Thou Fount of Every Blessing. The peace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you.
2: And also with you.
3: Please join me in the call to prayer of confession after our call to confession. Children of God, I am speaking these things to you so that you may not sin, but if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous, and He is the atoning sacrifice for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. Please join me. O oh God. Lord. The strength of all who put their trust in you. Mercifully accept our prayers. And because in our weakness, we can do nothing good without you.
0: Give us the help of your grace as in keeping with your commandments
3: that we please both in will will and deed. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God forever and ever. Please take a moment for silent confession.
2: Amen. Friends, hear this assurance of pardon that comes to us from the Old Testament. that your sins may be as scarlet, I have washed them white as snow. I have separated your sins as far as the east is from the west. Friends, the good news in Christ is that He has separated us from our sin, that our old life is gone and a new life remain. So know that you have been forgiven and be at peace and pray also for me a sinner. Amen. Mm-hmm. seated
3: our old testament lesson is from deuteronomy 30 verses 15 through 20 see i have set before you today life and prosperity death and adversity if you obey the commandments of the lord your god that i am commanding you today by loving the lord your god walking in his ways and observing his commandments, decrees, and ordinances, then you shall live and become numerous, and the Lord your God will bless you in the land that you are entering to possess. But if your heart turns away and you do not hear, but are led astray to bow down to other gods and serve them, I declare to you today that you shall certainly perish. You shall not live long in the land that you are crossing the Jordan to enter and possess." I call heaven and earth to witness against you today that I have set before you life and death, blessings and curses. Choose life so that you and your descendants may live, loving the Lord your God, obeying him, and holding fast to him. For that means life to you and length of days, so that you may live in the land that the Lord swore to give to your ancestors, to Abraham and Isaac and to Jacob. The word of the Lord.
2: be seated, and at this time I invite the children forward for a children's sermon. Okay, what big exciting thing happens this evening? Technically it's not a Super Bowl this year because the Steelers aren't in it. It's called a mediocre bowl this year, (laughs) but it's other people might call it a Super Bowl. What are we doing after church today? We're eating soup. And why are we eating soup? To bless the homeless people. Okay. It's a way for us to come together and for us to to say, we're gonna eat soup today, but we're also gonna we're gonna do something else. What else do we do? You can just eat if that's what you wanna do, Braxton, you can just eat the soup. That's okay. You don't think about anybody. Just eat the soup. What were you gonna say? collect change for the people that are, that are homeless, right? We can also, what's what we do the second Sunday of the month? Yes, Mona, what were you going to say? We can donate soup to the homeless. See, that's another thing that we can do, right? So people that don't have food, or maybe sometimes it's called food insecurity, so they have a little bit of food, but not enough food to survive, they can go to places like Christ's Kitchen, and they can get food, right? And so we collect this offering, the Sense and Sensibility Offering, the second Sunday of every month. And after you guys put the change in the buckets, do you know where the money goes? Not directly to the homeless people, but very, very close to the kitchen, right? We go to we donate it to the kitchens, okay? And so it's really important when people bring their change to church. I know it's fun to run around and collect the change, but it's even more fun that we don't keep it for ourselves. We give it away, right? You, Braxton would like to keep it for himself. That's okay. It's very tempting. I would like to do that as well, right? I mean it's tempting, right, Braxton? It's money. it's money, right? Yes, absolutely. That's right. You don't have any, so you need it. Okay, I understand. Okay. So we're gonna but we're gonna pray for people today who don't have anything, right? And that they're they trust on other people's generosity to be able to survive. Because Christ calls us to be people who care for our neighbor. And sometimes even though it may not be the person that lives right next door to us. They're in our community, and so they need help, and Christ calls us to help them, okay? So we're going to pray, then we're going to go collect all that change, okay? Are we ready? Let's pray. Pray after me. Dear God, you rock, and we love you, and we're so glad that you give us this opportunity to help others. We want to be helpers our whole lives so that others can know of your love. We love you. Amen. Okay, grab a bucket. Take off running like your hair's on fire. Just walk around and get changed. Everybody's got it for you. Go right up there, buddy. Right up there. Go to Jamie. Turn around. You don't want to. It's okay. You don't have to. Okay. Good job, Mona. Put it right here, baby. Right there. I invite you to turn with me, if you will, to Matthew's Gospel, uh, chapter 5. We're going to read verses 21 through 37, continuing on with uh, Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. Hear God's holy word. You have heard that it was said to those of ancient times you shall not murder. And whoever murders shall be liable to judgment. But I say to you that if you are angry with a brother or a sister, you will be liable to judgment as well. And if you insult a brother or sister, you will be liable to the council. And if you say you fool, you'll be liable to the hell of fire. So when you are offering your gift at the altar, if you remember that your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go. First be reconciled to your brother or sister, then come and offer your gift. Come to terms quickly with your accuser while you are on the way to court with them, or your accuser may hand you over to the judge and the judge to the guard, and then you'll be thrown into prison. And truly I tell you, For it is better for you to lose one of your members than for your whole body to go into hell. It was also said, wherever divorce, whoever divorces his wife, let him give her a certificate of divorce. But I say to you that if anyone who divorces his wife, except for the grounds of unchastity, causes her to commit adultery, and whoever marries a divorced woman commits adultery. Again, you have heard that it was said to those of ancient times, you shall... Not swear falsely, but carry out the vows that you have made to the Lord. But I say to you, do not swear at all, either by heaven, for it is the throne of God, or by the earth, for it's the footstool, or by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. And do not swear by your head, for you cannot make one hair white or the other hair black. Let your word be yes, yes, or no, no. Anything more than that comes from the evil one. May the Lord add blessing and understanding to the reading and hearing of his holy word. Let us pray. Holy and gracious God, we thank you so much for this day that you've granted us. We thank you also, Lord, for this, your holy text. May I ask God that your spirit be upon us as we discern its meaning this day. We say all this in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen. I think some of you all are familiar with how I became a Presbyterian, but just in case you don't know that story, I'll, I'll try to retell it quickly. So I grew up Baptist, and in Baptist seminary, uh, I took a church history class. I took it the same semester that I took a class called uh, Baptist Polity. And in taking those two classes in the same semester, I realized, oh my gosh, I'm not a Baptist. I had been a Baptist my entire life because that's where my mom took me to church, right? I mean, she made sure that I was in church all the time, and so I just identified as a Baptist. Some of you may identify as a Presbyterian because that's how your parents brought you to a Presbyterian church, that's why you're still here, right? But in seminary I had this, for lack of a better term, come to Jesus moment where I realized I don't believe the stuff that it means to be a Baptist. I actually kind of fall in line with with Presbyterianism and maybe even Luther. So I called uh, the West Virginia Presbytery because I had I uh, tried to get an interview at the First Presbyterian Church of Huntington for a youth director's position. It was an ordained position. And I didn't know the polity of the PCUSA, so I called that church and I said, I'd like to, I'd like to apply for this job. And I said, we'd love to interview you, but we can't because you're not ordainable. I go, why am I not ordainable? I'm almost finished with seminary. Like, all you got to do is ordain me. No, no, there's a big process. You have to call the presbytery office. So I called the presbytery office and spoke to a lady by the name of Gay Mothershed. Does anybody remember Gay Mothershed as the executive president, right? And I tell her my story, as I just told you. I barely got the words out of my mouth, and she said, No, no, it's too late. Mind you, I was 26 years old at the time, and I was thinking to myself, How is it too late for me to be a Presbyterian? She said, We've never done it this way before. We don't accept anybody that hasn't started seminary as a Presbyterian to become a Presbyterian. You're not even at a Presbyterian seminary. How are you going to do anything? And I, I said, well, you know, I just finished reading Calvin's Institutes of Theology and fell in love with the Heidelberg Catechism and I'm telling her all this stuff that I, I've learned and she cuts me off. Nope. 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 It's impossible. You cannot become a Presbyterian minister. I mean, obviously I did, right? You know the end of the story. I moved to Philadelphia. The Philadelphia Presbyterian says, come on in, the water's warm, right? So I so badly wanted to call Gay Mothershed on October 17th, 2010, the day that I got ordained and said, ha ha, I told you I could do it, right? But I didn't because she was retired and I didn't know her phone number. So (laughs) it wasn't for a lack of trying on my part. But for her and for many people, once there is... A tradition, right? The answer becomes no. It's never happened this way before. We've never done it that way before. It cannot happen. Our lesson today is a continuation of the Sermon on the Mount. Uh thus far we've heard Jesus preach kind of the prologue for this sermon, the Beatitudes. And last week we we tackled the beginning of this actual sermon. And today we we get into this place where he's dealing with the law, a series of, of statements about where God has said, no, you can't. And there's a traditional understanding to all of these no's, right? Now the strange thing is, he goes into six no's, we're going to handle the first four today, and the lectionary doesn't let us read the next two no's for another three years. So we have to come back on this date in 2026, to hear the next part of that uh, sermon. But because of the way the moons line up, literally, uh, Feb- more, Matthew 5 38-48 is cut off this year. We don't read it at all. Okay, So in three years we'll read it, but not this year. Some cases Jesus says He'll deepen and expand the law. That's kind of what He does with divorce and with the swearing of oaths. In the other case, Jesus will say things like, in the new community, there's going to be a new understanding of the rule. The first thing he addresses is murder. No change here. Murder, just like it was in the old days, is still a bad thing. As it has always been a part of Torah, thou shalt not kill. You just don't have to do that. Now if we pause right there and go back and read the Old Testament, some of the greatest people of the Old Testament, the people that we lift high on the mountain in many ways, were what? They were murderers. Why did Moses end up meeting the burning bush? So he killed a dude in Egypt and ran away. Right? That's why he was a murderer. So it's really strange that one of the very first things that God says is, "Thou shalt not kill, even though He allows people to be part of the community that have done that. But he says it's not a good thing. It's not a good practice to have so much hatred in your being that you want to kill somebody. That life is valuable. That life is exceptionally valuable, and you shouldn't do it. Jesus goes further. Any of you that ever get angry at somebody else, you've committed murder in your heart. You've already done it this new community, this new understanding of this old law is don't get angry. Don't come bring your sacrifices to the altar if you have something against somebody else. Jesus would use the word brother and sister, but really it's about anybody else that's a part of the community. If you have have ever had a problem with somebody else, or if they have a problem with you, don't bother bringing your offerings, and your sacrifices doesn't matter you have to reconcile to them and if you don't what happens jesus would say you go where not to the fun place right the bad place that's not something you want to hear right it's not something presbyterians are comfortable preaching baptists have no problem preaching right hellfire damnation right but we don't love that we, don't, we love that grace thing. We focus so much on the grace of God and we see that even with Moses being a murderer and, and him being gracious, graciously accepted into God's company. But this is a toughie. This is a toughie because we're going to say that you can't be angry now. Ang- anger is, is sometimes necessary. Any of you that have had children, you probably have been angry <laughs> at them a time or two, right? Any of you that don't have children have probably been mad at your neighbor's children a time or two, right? Children can be unnerving. I love you all. I really, truly do. Wherever the children are, right? But once we get older, we get this focus on our life that we want things done a certain proper way, and, and guess who doesn't understand that yet? Children. And so they're very chaotic in, in our minds. In their minds, they're just having a blast. But children are going to be welcomed into this. And if you, if you don't remember it, Jesus kind of even has to castigate His own disciples when they put up a boundary and say don't let the children... The children can't come see Jesus. What will Jesus end up saying to His disciples? Let the little children come to Me. Guess those, those little creators of anger and other people, right? Let them be a part of this kingdom as well. But just don't be angry. Murder, yes, will send someone to hell or judgment, but now anger does the same thing. And Jesus is saying that life in the kingdom is not marked only by a a different way of living, it's a different understanding of life entirely. This new community is going to be new and improved, but it's still going to be connected to the old community. Remember last week Jesus said, I didn't come to abolish the law, but to uphold the law. He's not trying to replace anything, he's giving a new interpretation of it. The new community has better things to do than to be occupied with something as trivial as being angry. Now all of us that have been a part of church for any extended period of time, I guess this is kind of an understatement, but you've probably met somebody that's angry at the church, right? Have you ever met somebody that's angry at the church? that doesn't want to be a part of the church because what are we in their eyes we're all a bunch of hypocrites right yes we are the whole world is a bunch of hypocrites right that's the we are the definition of hypocrite right jesus doesn't doesn't say that thou shall not be a hypocrite jesus says you all are actors we all put our sunday smile faces on right and go home and I've, I've admitted to you, I have anger when it comes to driving, right? I've told you my problem, right? I'm the guy that passes everybody on a two lane road because I can't handle being behind seven cars at one time, right? That's anger that drives that. How many of you, when you hit your thumb with a hammer, say only holy, 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 praise the Lord God Almighty, right? Is that what you say? I want to ask you to say what you say, but I bet that ain't it. Right, You get angry at the hammer, at the nail, at yourself, at your poor aim, right? And we're hypocrites. And that's okay, because part of the joy of being a hypocrite is I'm not saved by anything that I do on my own. By God's grace alone, am I able to be part of this process? It's the pro forma nature that people get caught up about. They think that, yes, I should ask for forgiveness, and so if I've offended you, I want to come to you and say, I'm sorry that I offended you. And then half the time, the person says, that's not good enough. He apologized way too fast. I don't think you meant it. I'm just not going to participate anymore, right? And I, I mean, that's just part of what we've experienced in life. Anger is a funny thing that drives us to do strange activities, Historically, one of the other things that's happened is <clears throat> if you have said something bad about the church or you're in a broken relationship with the church, the church has done something to offend you by blocking this table right here. Sadly, historically, if pastors in and sessions and, and even non-reformed bodies of faith, if they find out that you have a problem with somebody else in the church, they won't let you come take communion. And that just bothers me. Because at this table, we all come as what? Not as saints, but as sinners. That's the place where God's grace is imparted to us in this sacrament. And it's, it's really upsetting that historically people have literally been blocked. Sanctuaries used to be made in such a way that there was a gate in the back. And you had to have a token. Uh, you had to have a communion token and you had to put that in the box and the elders had to watch you put it. They had to make sure that you had the correct token, that you'd been examined, and that you'd been found okay and acceptable to take communion. And if you didn't have it, you had to sit on the seats outside of the sanctuary, right? That were, there was literally a gate in the back and you couldn't get to the front of the sanctuary to take communion. You were forbidden from participating in the Lord's Supper. Because of anger. Does that sound right? But that's what we did. Because we're a bunch of hypocrites and we created a new rule to say we don't want anger in the church. And guess what it did? It made more people angry. The beautiful story about communion tokens, if you ever go to Scotland you can find them all over the place. Do you know why? Because as soon as communion tokens were minted by churches, immediately a black market began and they printed fake communion tokens, right? And they exist all over Scotland. So if you go there, bring your pastor one back, especially if it's a fake. I'd love to have fake communion tokens. This anger, this thing that drives us, can also drive us to do other things. Jesus says, duh, you shouldn't commit adultery. But also, I'm going to go further, it's not just that. If you look at someone with lust in your heart, go ahead and rip your eyeballs out. I've raised three daughters and one son, and let me just say, any of you that have ever gone through puberty, if we took this quite literally, none of us would have eyeballs after the age of 14, would we? Right? It's just not possible. Jesus is not saying take this quite literally. He's just saying respect another person more than you you have desire for your own self. Because the other person, when you look at that other person lustfully, that's doing something to satisfy your own desire. It does nothing for the other person. And that's not how we're supposed to respect one another. We're supposed to take anger away. We're supposed to take lust away. And we're also supposed to take ourselves away. If our hand causes us to sin, cut your hand off. Rip your eyes out. Now that leads into this idea of divorce. And divorce in the 21st century is well beyond what the notion of divorce was in the 1st century. And it's kind of a challenging situation to this day, right? There are churches that won't let people who have been divorced serve on committees like deacons in session. Breaks my heart. Again, no grace. Zero grace in that situation. But one of the things that Jesus does here is that we probably kind of miss. He ties that notion of of adultery and lust into divorce because in that day a man could wake up one day having filled his heart with lust for another woman and say to his wife you burned the bread today, we're getting a divorce. Or you don't keep the house clean enough, we're getting a divorce. And in that day, perfectly legal, happened all the time. As a woman living in a patriarchal society, the only choice that you had really was to get married again because you had no way of making money for yourself or make money for yourself by turning to prostitution. Not really the greatest choices you have in life. And so you have situations in towns of like 500 people. There wasn't a way to get outside of those towns in many ways, right? And so if I got mad and I divorced my wife, I would just find another wife really quickly. I'm fine, but my ex-wife is now having to suffer the torment of having no way to provide for herself. When Jesus has a conversation with the woman at the well, the conversation kind of goes like this, why don't you bring your husband to me and we can talk more about this? And the woman's response is what? I don't have a husband. And Jesus says you're right to say that you don't have a husband. You've had five husbands before now and the man that you're with now is not your husband. Now we can read that and say what a sinful woman she is. That's not what Jesus was saying. What Jesus was saying is I have the answer. The living water that I provide will cause all of your problems to go away. Because once this new community is established, once the people that follow Jesus have a better understanding, we'll know that you don't just, when you have a a fight with your spouse, you don't just go and get a divorce. You work through that. You work through that problem. And I'm not saying to stay in a bad situation. That's not what I'm saying. That's not what Jesus is saying either. But Jesus is also saying just because somebody burned the toast doesn't mean you go get to get a divorce. The new community is about respecting one another. Jesus illuminates the difference between saying lust leads to divorce and respect for other leads to a healthier marriage. Now the Torah has some strange things. The Torah allows for oaths to be sworn. But Jesus says, never swear an oath. Don't swear an oath to God. Don't swear an oath to earth. Don't swear an oath. And that's a saint. It's a, it feels odd to talk about swearing oaths, right? Especially because he's just talked about having this idea of covenant of marriage. That's an oath that you promise to, to another person. But Jesus is saying, don't do that. Oath swearing is for people who don't trust each other, Jesus would go on to say. So if you have this underlying notion that these, these words are cheap, they're, they're a gloss of piety, they make it maybe if you if you could convince somebody else that I swear I'll never encroach upon your land, right? I swear I'll never do this, I swear. And, and you don't put anything in writing, You just if you just make an agreement with another person, This is traditionally understood to be a covenant. But Jesus is saying the only covenants that exist are the covenants between God and humanity. And that's that if you allow me to be your God and I'm your God, you will be my people and I will bless you. A portion of this issue is Jesus is dealing with ministering to humanity in in a different kind of view of Torah interpretation. Jesus is in this instance, is both progressive and conservative and very confusing to society. In our lesson from last week, we did learn that Jesus doesn't want to get rid of the law. We need to hold on to that notion. Jesus doesn't want to have uh, a new law that's, exist- that's in existence, but he, he runs into problems with the Pharisees and the Sadducees. They don't buy into his new un- understanding and interpretation of the law at all. Jesus here is saying, let your yes be yes and your no be no. Jamie's aunt, God rest her soul, or her Aunt Gail, used to have a saying, uh, people do what they want to do. Right? If you say yes to something, then then do it. But oftentimes people would off will say, well, I, I'll try to make it. I'll, maybe I'll be there. If I if I can if I can do it, I'll make it. And Aunt Gail's response would always be you do what you want to do. There's no maybe. Let your yes be yes or your no be no. Where'd she get that notion? From Jesus. Maybe's not an option. Either tell me yes or no. Do you want to be on session? Nope. Okay. Maybe, maybe I'll pray about it. Right? I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand if you've ever answered the nominating committee was, let me pray about it, right? Do you think that nobody's prayed about it to get your name into the coffer to begin with, right? Are your prayers better prayers than the prayers that are offered that say we think that we've, we've prayed and we think we've, we've found that God has led us to you, we want you to be in leadership in this place, well, let me pray about it. Maybe my prayers is going to be heard differently, right? Just say no, <laughs> right? I don't want to do it right now. I don't have time. Just say no. Or say, you know what, yes, I'd love to help, right? We draw ourselves into this place where we we want to have a get-out-of-jail-free card. We want to have the option to choose something else if another option is made available to us, right? Jamie calls that the fear of a better offer. I'm not going to make a decision about something because somebody else might offer me something better than you're offering. How many of you are going to a Super Bowl party tonight? You're still waiting for a better offer, right? Right. Somebody, somebody more important could ask you to come watch the game with them so you've not made any commitments to watch it with anybody else so far, right? Jesus being a progressive and a conservative shakes things up tremendously. The Pharisees can't stand Him because they are the traditionalists and He's changing the way that they think and others that have listened to them for hundreds of years now The way that they've taught other people to think Jesus is changing that. The Sadducees are a little bit more progressive. They're mad at Jesus because he has a very conservative understanding, a very traditional understanding of what's going on. That was pointed out to me by one of my favorite theologians. His name is G.K. Chesterton. He was a British writer who kind of became an armchair theologian. And he had a statement that says this about churches and about Christianity He says, the whole modern world of church has divided itself into conservatives and progressives. The business of the progressives is to go on making mistakes. And the business of the conservatives is to prevent the mistakes from ever being corrected. Right? And what happens is, what do churches do when they have fights about whether or not they're going to be a progressive or a conservative church? What do they do? They just create two new churches. Right? Christina in our office was asking about how many... She's Catholic, and so she has this weird understanding of different kinds of Presbyterian churches. And I pulled out a picture of how many times the Presbyterian church has split in the life of our country alone. Do you know how many denominations of Presbyterians have existed in the last 200 years? About 85. We've come together, we've reunited twice, and shortly after reunification, created two new denominations that split off of their reunification. Right? Right? That's bananas. That's bananas. We all call ourselves Christian. Which church is correct? Ask them all. They'll tell you that they are. Right? We're the right version of Presbyterians. And if you go to another Presbyterian church, guess what they're going to tell you? We're the right version of the Presbyterian church. We really shouldn't base all of our rulings on what's happened in the past, We need to always be looking to the future as well. Jesus points that out to us. It's not just because it's always been done this way, but also what we can do in the future. I think a challenge for us in the 21st century is that we still believe and worship a God who lived 2,000 years ago and promised that He would return. And we've not seen Him yet. And I think that gives us fits from time to time that should give us all a bit of pause. However, I think the truth 2,000 years ago is still the truth today. And the base of that truth is God's abundant grace, God's overwhelming love. As much as Jesus throws new teaching at listeners, He doesn't make this new teaching any easier. He makes it even, I would say, a little bit more difficult. Jesus points out that the law never intended anybody to live a perfect life. Anybody historically that could look at the 618 Deuteronomistic laws and said they could keep all of them, Jesus would have said, you're lying. There's no way. The law was there to point society how to be, not necessarily an individual. The point is, folks and friends, we all need a Savior. None of us can live a perfect life, for all have fallen short of the glory of God. And now it's our responsibility to say yes to that or to say no to that. Whether we're going to give it the best shot we have to be the best Christian, the best church member, the best friend, the best spouse, the best neighbor we can possibly be, or no. I don't care anymore. For Jesus, it's one or the other. Sometimes in my own life, I feel like what I've given God is a great big maybe. Because I'm always looking for a better option too. I've looked at other religions. I've, I've tried them on. I've wondered, am I right about this? And I think because of having grown up Baptist and switched to Presbyterianism, it makes it easier for me to question our own faith and that's my sin. I admit it to you. That's my, that's my challenge. But I think all of us have the desire to want to say yes to Jesus. And if it's yes, then let's make it the most fun, the healthiest yes we can possibly give. Let's let this church start rocking. Amen? Amen. Now let us stand and declare that which we believe in the recitation of the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God the Father Almighty, Creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, God's only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead. On the third day He rose again. He ascended into heaven. He is seated at the right hand of the Father, and he will come again to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. You may be seated. It's time for us to continue our worship by the giving of our tithes and offerings. Let us pray. Holy and gracious God, we thank you for the many gifts and blessings that we've received in this life. Lord, as we return a portion of these gifts to you now, we ask for your wisdom and your courage to use them in a manner in which you see fitting. We say this all in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen. Let may be seated. Uh, Yesterday, Session spent a uh, pretty good time together, uh, about five and a half hours in a session retreat. Uh, planning things for our future. So I want you to pray. You're going to hear a great deal more about that in the weeks uh, to come, but pray for the c- continued work of what we're doing with session. But while we were at that session meeting, I got a text message from uh, Muriel Frankie's daughter, Winnie, and Muriel uh, found out yesterday that she's going to be evicted from her care facility in Orlando. Uh, the details are very, very strange. Uh, Winnie was in Canada Uh, She's traveling today to go to Orlando uh, to be with her mom, whose birthday uh, is coming up, and she'll be 104, I believe. Uh, I don't know why. I don't know how. I don't know any of the situation, but we need to pray for Muriel and for Winnie and for the situation. Uh, Winnie living in Canada, trying to take care of her mom living in Florida is a challenge to begin with, and now she has uh, fewer than 45 days to find a place for her mom to go, pack up a two-bedroom, uh, care facility home and get it to this new place. So as more information might come in with that, I'll pass that uh, to you as well. Some of you also probably have heard, uh, Kinsey McComas is uh, still in treatment in Cincinnati. They do get to come home next week, so the 21st they plan to come home, which is a huge praise. Kinsey will have to wear a life vest uh, for the next couple months. Uh, And then depending on how that goes, if it ever goes off, she may have to have an internal defibrillator placed. And they've already kind of said in the future, uh, she's likely headed towards organ transplant. So not the greatest news that's come out of this. But Kinsey, as reported by her mama, uh, says she's never felt better and she's excited to go home. And she's really praying hard that she still gets to go see Taylor Swift in concert. So uh, we're hoping that that gets to happen as well. I'm certain that there are other concerns that rest with you. Uh, Let us lift all of those petitions to our Lord and to our King as we pray. Let us pray. Holy and gracious God, we come to you thankful for life. Lord, we thank you for this, our church family. We thank you, Lord, for uh, the people who have fought to keep these church doors open for so long, Lord. The year that we will celebrate our 155th anniversary. We thank you, God, for all the years of ministry in this town we pray god that you continue to bless us that we may be a blessing to others that you would lead guide and direct us to the missions and ministries that you would have for us today lord we ask that you would bless and multiply the donations that we provide for homeless shelters and for food service around this country we pray lord for those who will literally daily pray for their daily bread our small Uh, Donation today, Lord, hopefully can be multiplied and can serve many. We pray, God, for those who have home insecurity as well as food insecurity. We pray for people who help, who are the helpers, the social workers, the state leaders, who try to intercede on behalf of others. We pray, God, in this time of tumult, as we see what's happening around the globe, we pray for the continuing war, and as it's reaching its year anniversary in Ukraine, We pray for peace in that situation. We pray, God, for whatever is happening between China and the United States that it can have its tensions eased. We pray, Lord, for our military and we thank you that they have said yes to defending our country, but we pray, Lord, for a day where we no longer need a standing army or navy. We pray for a day where peace is the order of the day. God, we pray for our community. We pray, God, for our neighborhoods. We pray, God, for our friends. We pray also, Lord, for our enemies. We pray for the president, for the leaders of our nation, whoever govern over us. We ask that you would be patient with them as they listen for your still, small voice. We pray, God, for this, our church family. We pray for those who are seated to our right and to our left, in front of us and behind us. We pray, Lord, for those who are watching from home are unable to worship with us. We pray for those, Lord, who need for you to be the great physician. And in the stillness of this moment, Lord, we pray for ourselves. Holy God, we are amazed by your grace and the glory of your ways. We thank you that you sent your Son to earth, that he showed us how to live and taught us also to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name thy kingdom come thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven give us this day our daily bread forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever amen please stand as you are able for our closing hymn hymn number 450 be thou my vision never been done that way before is what got Jesus killed. Ultimately, the religious leadership said, no, we can't have any more of this guy. And so he's wanting to change way too much. He's even gone as far as claiming he's the son of God. So we have to kill him. And I think that's the one thing the churches have carried on for the last 2,000 years, right? Whatever our tradition is, we've never done it that way before, right? It's one of those lessons we're taught when we're leaving seminary. Be careful when you say the word change the first time in church. They're going to want to murder you, just like they did our Savior, right? It's the last warning we get before we graduate. I don't feel that here. I don't feel that at all here. But part of our challenge is that once we've figured out this Christianity thing, we don't think we have to do anything else, right? We've become a Christian. We're good to go, right? Do you see that in the text, though? The text says, always, always be working to make things better for those around us. Once again, it's not about us. It's about how we are in the world. So as we leave this place this day, remind yourself that Christ is calling us to be a blessing in someone else's life. Amen. Now receive the blessing of the triune God, the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. May he be with us all until we meet again, either here or his glorious kingdom come. Amen. And amen. Happy Sunday.